Tonight we come to the last half of message three. It's called God's demand and Pharaoh's resistance. God's demand. God's demand. God is not negotiating. God has a demand. And Pharaoh resists. And the second part of the message is called And Life in the World Under Satan's Usurpation. Tonight it seems like we come to a very crucial turning point in this conference. We come to the most serious uh, of messages. It seems like on the first day we saw slavery in Egypt. We saw what it was to be in Egypt. And we saw who Pharaoh was. Now we get to this point where we need to see layer after layer pulled back to show the real situation in the world. You should write this down. The nature, the significance, and the result of life in the world. And the result. Three things. We need to see these very clearly. What is the nature of the world? What is the significance of every one of these plagues? And ultimately, what is the result? What's the end result of life in the world? I just would like to ask all of us to please pray tonight. Pray, pray for me. Pray for my brother Andrzej. Pray for ourselves. Pray for the word to operate in every one of us. Because we have to see something. And I just trust the Lord. I feel certainly very unqualified to be able to release this kind of message. But I can also testify that I am so worried about you all. I can speak from my heart to you. You know, year after year I came here. I've known many of you for many years. 
wielu z was znam już od wielu lat. I love coming here and seeing you year after year. Naprawdę bardzo lubię przyjeżdżać tutaj i widzieć was. Some co of you roku. are growing up right in front of me. Niektórzy wyrastacie przed moimi oczami. I love that. Bardzo mi się to podoba. But I'm so worried. Ale tak się obawiam. I'm afraid for you. Obawiam się o was. I know Satan has a plot to destroy you. Wiem, że szatan ma swój plan, żeby was zniszczyć. He has an evil intention. Ma taki niegodziwy zamysł. He is not nice. Nie jest miłym stworzeniem. He is cruel. Jest okrutny. He is evil. Jest niegodziwcem. And he has you in his sights. I chce was zdobyć. He wants to kill you. Chce was zabić. Not just spiritually kill you, he wants to kill you. Wipe you out. Make you not useful at all. Monday night, I, I told you. His intention is to usurp us. That means to use us for something we were not made for. We were not created for this world system. We were created to be the house of God. He wants to usurp us. And then he wants to occupy us. Fill us up. Fill us up. We're not a container of God. We become a container of him. Satan. And then he wants to enslave us. He who commits sin is a slave of sin. I'm sure tonight that everyone in this room understands what I mean when I say a slave. You know there's things you cannot stop. You pray to stop. You want to stop. But you're a slave. You got caught. And then he wants to use up all of our time. Our whole life. We pursue our dreams in the world. It's like we go to sleep. And we, and we wake up 30, 40 years later. And here, here we are, we're 65. And we ask ourselves, what happened? What happened to my life? Yeah, I got married. Yeah, I had a good career. I paid my bills. I raised my children. I have grandchildren. But the Lord didn't come back. The church didn't get built. God's house was not finished. The bride is still not ready. And then you say, what a waste. What a waste. What do I have to show? I have nothing. I have nothing. This is why we need to spend some time in this message tonight. Okay, what I would like to do to start is to 
continue what Brother Dan mentioned this morning. He uh, spoke about Pharaoh's subtle bargaining. We saw that Satan is not only outside of us, he's also within us, in our soul, ourself. And there was five steps in his bargaining. The first thing he said was, I don't know Jehovah. Jehovah is nobody to me. I will not let you go. That was his starting point. God's starting point was, let my people go. You know, we have the names. Jehovah, the God of the Hebrews, the God of Israel. He met with us. He met with us. He told us, you have to let us go. Pharaoh says, I don't know any Jehovah. He denied the existence of Jehovah. His people were kept alive by Jehovah at the time of Joseph. He knows Jehovah. He knows Jehovah. During those seven years of famine, Joseph fed Egypt. They knew Jehovah. That was, that was the first bargain. No, no. And after a few, after a few plagues, Then you know what you know what Pharaoh said? He says, "Sure, you can worship God. Just do it here in Egypt." Young people, you got to understand something. He wants you to compromise. He wants you. He wants to negotiate with you. Brother Dan mentioned that this morning. You don't need to leave the world. You can just enjoy the church life in the world. And then he said, you know, the next bargain, third bargain. I can tell you, I can tell you where these are. Sacrifice in the land. This is in chapter 8, verses 25 to 28. And then he said, How about this? Just don't go too far away. First, sacrifice here in Egypt. Stay in the world. Enjoy, enjoy the Lord in the world. And then he said, don't go too far away. Yeah, you can worship. But Moses said, no, we need to go a three days journey into the wilderness. And because Pharaoh hardened his heart, more plagues came. Another plague. And then he said, okay, you can go. 
Then he changes his mind. He says, no, you can't go. And then the locusts come. And then he calls Moses. And he says, who's, who's going to go? Well, what, do you really, what do you want? What do you really want? What's your bottom line? Who's going to go? Kto tak naprawdę ma z wami wyjść? And he said, we're going to go My? with our wives, our children, dziećmi, our flocks, dziećmi, and our herds. Everybody goes. No one stays back. He was absolute. No bargain. No bargain. Then Moses, then no, sorry, Pharaoh says, leave your wives and your children here. And all the men go. Satan knows that if your wife and your children are there, you won't really go. There's still a connection. Some of us, we really would like to consecrate ourselves absolutely to the Lord. But there's people dear to us that are still in the world. Ale są dla nas, są ludzie w świecie wciąż dla nas drodzy. You come to the camp, there's still a girlfriend back home or there's a boyfriend back there. So here in the conference, yeah, okay, praise the Lord, I'm for the Lord, I love the Lord. But Satan knows. I got you. When he said, don't go so far, just... Stay close. You know, some, some people say, don't be so extreme. Don't be so absolute. It's okay for you to love the Lord. It's okay for you to love the Lord. Just don't be a fanatic. Don't be so crazy. You don't have to do all this. You go to church once a week. That's what people do. Who's going to go? Everything goes. Saints, when we go, everything goes. There's no bargaining. There's no bargaining. God's demand. God's demand. Then finally he says, okay, You can go. Take your wives, take your children. You can go. But leave your flocks and your herds here. You know what Moses said? If we leave our flocks and herds here, we have nothing to sacrifice to God. It's almost like Moses was saying, It's not for the people to eat. It's for God to eat. Moses was taking care of God's desire first. And every time, every time Pharaoh was trying to bargain, it just caused more plagues to come. And the plagues get more intense as they go. Były one coraz poważniejsze, coraz bardziej 
And you need to see something. The plagues were really God's mercy. Don't think that God was too mean to Pharaoh. <laughs> We have an expression. I don't know if it translates too well. But it's when some, you, you, uh, you talk about taking somebody to school. Moses was taking Pharaoh to school. Do you understand this expression? Moses was educating all of the people in Egypt. He was taking them all to school. You need to learn something. You stay in Egypt, this is what your life is about. It's about blood. Do you like to drink blood? It's, like, it's about frogs. Frogs in your bed. Frogs in your kneading bowls. Frogs in your oven. Everywhere frogs. Do you like Egypt? Frogs. And then there's lice. Ooh, nice. Lice. Makes your head itch, doesn't it? And then there's flies. You know, we come to Małychika, there's a lot of flies. Did you notice that? It's because there's cows here. Oh, the cows bring okay. the flies. The cow manure brings the flies. So you can understand then that Egypt is like a big manure pile. It attracts flies, swarms, and then pestilence comes, and boils. Diseases. And boils. Then hail with fire. And locust. And then, if that's not enough and you still love the world, darkness comes. Darkness that is so thick that it can be felt. All of this was an education. Not only to God's people, but also to the children, uh, to the Egyptians. That they would not love that life in the world. It was a mercy. It was a mercy. As the brothers shared, you know, God could have just wiped them out. He's giving them a chance. 
And you know what? When the children of Israel did go out of Egypt, we'll get to that on Saturday. A lot of Egyptians went with them. Did you know that? It says the mixed multitude went up out of Egypt. That means this, saints. When we get saved, and we get out of this world, we are bringing a lot of people with us. We've got to preach the gospel. We've got to tell them. Okay. Uh, another, another matter, I would just like to fellowship. Probably among us, we would hate sin. We hate sin. But we don't hate the world. You know, if we have a problem with lust or with temper, we're embarrassed. We hate that. We confess that. But if we love the world, we don't have hardly any feeling about that at all. But you know, to God, He hates the world much more than He hates your sin. Your sin, your sin may offend God's righteousness. Your sin may offend God's righteousness. But your, your love for the world offends His holiness. Speak. Speak. Amen. Did you finish? No. Okay, go. Speak. Could you repeat your sentence, please? Yes, I would be happy to repeat my sentence. Amen. Our sin offends his righteousness. But our love for the world offends his holiness. His holiness is higher than his righteousness. <clears throat> so to him, worldliness is worse than sin. Okay, let's turn to the outline. Please don't stop praying. Pray. And let's read Roman 5 together. God's intention in giving his chosen people a revelation of the true nature, meaning, and issue of life in Egypt, the world, caused his people to hate and become disgusted with Egypt, to leave Egypt behind and to be separated to God for his dwelling place. What we have to fellowship tonight is a revelation. It's not a teaching. 
It's a revelation. This fellowship should pull back veils and unveil us to see something. We should pray, Lord, open my eyes so that I could see. Let's pray that right now. Lord, open my eyes that I could see. Give me this revelation. Give me this revelation. I told you, I think, on Lord's Day night, Brother Lee said it's pointless to try to convince people to leave the world. It's pointless to try to teach people to give up the world. But if they see it, if they see the true nature, they see the significance and the result of life in the world, they would hate the world. They would want to be detached from it. They become disgusted with it. And they cry to get out of it. I pray that the issue of this fellowship tonight would be a prayer. A prayer. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. I hate this life. I hate this kind of living. Get me out of this age. This is God's intention. Is to give His chosen people a revelation. That revelation will cause his people to hate and become disgusted with Egypt. The first three plagues that came were troublesome, but they were not injurious. They didn't hurt anybody. The plague started out pretty nice, pretty light. You know, the first plague was Moses came and he changed the water of the Nile to blood. But not only the river Nile, all the water became blood. All the water in every container became blood. You couldn't drink water in Egypt. If you get thirsty, all you can do is drink blood. God was showing them that everything, everything will kill you. The radio will kill you. The television will kill you. Your schools will kill you. Fashion will kill you. The music industry will kill you. Movies will kill you. You get a good job, that will kill you. You make a lot of money, that will kill you. The issue of everything will kill you. 
Pharaoh hardened his heart. In fact, his magicians could, could also do that. They could duplicate that same thing. As Dan said this morning, there are philosophers who will say the same thing. It's all vanity. It's all vanity. Everything. They can turn water into blood, but they can't turn blood into water. Isn't this our experience, saints? There is a part of our being that is for God and His purpose. And it seems like no matter where we go or what we do, everything wants to kill that part of my being. So sometimes we tell the saints... Don't listen to rock music, don't watch movies, don't, go to, don't watch TV, don't do this, don't do that. You know what, you know what they did, the people had to do? They would dig in the ground to find water. And as soon as they found water, it would turn to blood. This plague lasted in Egypt for only one week, seven days. And then it was gone. If God's people and the children of God's people, the children of Israel and the Egyptians had seen the revelation of what was happening in front of them, they would need no other plagues. They would become so clear. You know, watch a movie. Listen to the music. Turn on the television. It kills us. It kills our spirit. But only for a little while. Seven days. So we don't think it's so serious. It only lasts for a short time. So we don't think it's so bad. So another plague has to come. Okay. To trwało przez 7 dni. Musiała nadejść kolejna. Trwała tylko 7 dni. Oni tego nie zobaczyli. Musiała nadejść kolejna plaga. I say, God didn't. I still love the Lord. I still go to meetings. I'm okay. Seems like I'm okay. I can do this and still be okay. Trwało to tylko przez tydzień. The Egyptian magicians could do the same thing. They could make blood appear. So Pharaoh said, no, no, you can't go. So then Moses said, okay. Frogs, frogs are coming. 
And then the frogs came. Out of the river Nile that had just been recovered to water. You know, the river Nile was the source of all the wealth of Egypt. It was the source of supply. And now instead of supplying Egypt with good things, wealth, it was supplying Egypt with frogs. Millions of frogs. They were everywhere. They were in the, in the kitchen. In the bedroom. You get in bed tonight, and there it is, a frog. Five frogs, ten frogs. Actually, saints, we need to read these points because the utterance on the outline is just tremendous. Point A says, the plague of the water in the whole land of Egypt becoming blood portrays that the nature and result of life in the world with its entertainment and amusement is death. Punkt A mówi, plaga wody w całej ziemi egipskiej, która staje się krwią, mówi o tym, że naturą i wynikiem życia w świecie wraz z jego rozrywkami i atrakcjami jest śmierć. B. B. The plague of frogs portrays that life in the world is a life of nuisance and unending trouble. What used to come out of the Nile was fish. Now instead of fish, it's frogs. But frogs are not injurious. They don't hurt anybody. But this tells us that life in the world is full of unending nuisance. Unending trouble. You get this brand new thing and then it breaks. Kupujesz coś nowego i nagle to się psuje. You make a lot of money and now you have to invest it. Zarabiasz dużo pieniędzy, teraz musisz inwestować. And now the investment starts to go down. I nagle to, w co zainwestowałeś, traci wartość. Anxiety. To się nie kończy. Nuisance. Troski, utrapienia. Trouble. Trudności. Do you experience trouble? Doświadczacie zakłopotania, trudności. Sometimes little, sometimes big. That's frogs. That's, that's the frogs. That's life in the world. All kinds of trouble. This is God's merciful revelation to show us the true nature of the world. You know, the magicians could also bring forth frogs. I think, is that right? Yeah. They also could bring forth frogs. You know, I hear the young people talk about taking their philosophy classes in high school. And the philosophers of the age, they just pride themselves so much in their ability to think up new things, things that have never been thunk before. 
I ci filozofowie obecnego świata są słynni z tego, że potrafią wymyślić rzeczy, których nigdy w życiu człowiek nie wymyślił. And the existential philosophy that God is dead, there's no God, is prevailing everywhere. Teraz tak panuje na świecie taka filozofia egzystencjalizmu. Boga, Bóg nie istnieje. Psalm 14:1 it says The fool says in his heart there is no God. And then it says that the Lord will have them in confusion. Potem czytamy, że Bóg sprawi, że powstanie w nich zamieszanie. Philosophers can also point out that the more money you make, the more problems you have. Filozofowie potrafią też powiedzieć, że czym więcej pieniędzy zarabiasz, tym więcej będziesz miał. Im większy sukces odniesiesz, the more headaches. tym więcej będziesz miał bólu głowy. Ma marriages fail. Małżeństwa ro rozpadają się. All kinds of trouble. Your kids are damaged. You see in the movies and on television how money solves all problems. To be really happy, you have to have a lot of money. But it's just frogs. How many million frogs do you have? You got a bank account full of frogs. A nuisance and unending trouble. Then the third plague comes. The plague of the dust. Point C. The, the plague of the dust becoming lice throughout all the land of Egypt portrays that the source of the supply of our living in the world eventually becomes a great discomfort and a cause of extreme irritation. Plaga prochu ziemi, który zamienia się we wszy, mówi o tym, że źródło zaopatrzenia naszego życia w świecie staje się w końcu czymś wielkim, niewygodnym i jest przyczyną najwyższego rozdrażnienia. See, you're all young. Młodzi jesteście. Not all of you. This section over here has some older ones. Nie wszyscy tam w tej sekcji tak parę starszych osób. This points to our work, our job, our livelihood. To wskazuje na naszą pracę, na nasze potrzeby życiowe. God ordained that the soil of the earth would bring forth crops for eating, for supply, for our food, for living. Bóg ustanowił to, że ziemia będzie rodzić, my będziemy ją uprawiać i będzie to służyło naszemu zaopatrzeniu naszych potrzeb życiowych. But now this dust is not bringing forth grain and crops. It's becoming lice and becomes a great discomfort and a cause of extreme irritation. You get a job and you're so happy. They offered you a job. Oh, you feel so good. Dostałem tę ofertę. Then, the long hours, Ale potem długie godziny. The demand, wymagania. It's like irritation. Jak rozdrażnienie. You're always threatened that you might lose your job if you don't 
If you don't do more, try harder. And it becomes a source of great discomfort and a cause of extreme irritation. Then, point D. Sorry, we're just rushing through these plagues. I wish there was time to read all. There's like three chapters here in Exodus. Just to read the... I think if you're reading in the mornings, you should read these chapters. Tomorrow is what, five and six? So you'll start reading some of these. Was that today? Did you read five and six today? Okay, so you read some of these. Tak naprawdę temu zagadnieniu poświęcone są trzy rozdziały w Księdze Wyjścia. Czytajcie podczas swoich spotkań grupowych. Bądźcie gotowi na to. Dziś powinniście przeczytać piąty i szósty rozdział. Idźcie dalej. Przechodzimy teraz do następnej grupy plag. Tu chcę poświęcić trochę więcej czasu. Plague 4, 5 i 6. Pladze 4, numer 4, 5 i 6. Because these, these begin to harm you. Now life in the world is beginning to damage humanity. Now you begin to realize that living in the world is starting to ruin my being. Teraz zaczynamy zdawać sobie sprawę z tego, że życie w świecie zrujnuje moją istotę. It's eroding my the fabric of my humanity. I'm no longer human. Usuwa czy powoduje usuwanie mojego człowieczeństwa. Przestaje już być człowiekiem. It's making me an animal. Staje się zwierzęciem. The next one. Let's read this next one all together. This is point D. The plague of swarms of flies portrays the moral atmosphere of the world has been polluted. You know, the Bible tells us that Satan is the ruler of the authority of the air. Biblia mówi nam, że Satan jest władcą jest panem władców ojej jest, jest ojej panem sorry he's the ruler of the authority of the air jest zwierzchnikiem władz powietrza it's on your verse sheet really? no I know this is yeah, yeah, yeah this is right You know, the first three plagues touched the natural resources, the river, the dust, and the uh, water, the frogs, the lice, and the blood. They touched kind of natural resources. Te wszystkie plagi wiążą się, dotyczą naturalnych zasobów. But now this second group, all is in the air. It's all in the air. Natomiast te trzy na kolejne mówią o czymś głębszym. And what 
What God did is he sent swarms of flies. Bóg poslal roje much. And flies, you know, are filthy. They're filthy animals. A lot of sickness is communicated because of flies. And this speaks of the moral atmosphere of the world. What about the moral atmosphere here? Co możemy powiedzieć o moralnej atmosferze? What about the air here? The air here is filthy. The moral atmosphere today all over the earth is filthy. The, the airwaves are full of filthiness. The air is full of filthiness. The internet is in the air. You know what the internet is? It's flies. Flies. You turn on the internet, it's flies. You get killed. You get germs. You get polluted. Young people, you don't know how many appointments I have with brothers who are addicted to pornography. You know, I'm, I'm, this is not my generation. I didn't grow up with the Internet. But I'm dealing with this. With the young people today, so much access to make everything normal. The pollution. Homosexuality. The fornication. Everything is glorified, broadcast, promoted. The intention is to make everyone an animal. Everyone an animal. Where is proper humanity anymore? Where is somebody that says, no, I'm, I, I'm a man, I don't do that. You say, oh, you're not open-minded. This is the modern age. This is just the way it is nowadays. Do you like this world? Do you want to raise your children here? You know, young people, in just a few years, you're going to be raising your own children. It's not going to be you. It's going to be your kids. You're going to pray that I'm still alive so I can talk to your kids. I mean that. Right? Wouldn't you like me to talk to your kids? Well, I'm not proud to say that. But what do we do? What do we do? We got young people indulging in all kinds of things, even here. Po prostu jest pochłonięta 
wszelkiego rodzaju porządliwościami nawet tutaj są obecne. We can keep it a secret. Nobody knows. Trzymamy to w tajemnicy, nikt nie wie. This is part of the, the pollution of the flies. To jest część zanieczyszczenia spowodowanego przez muchy i możemy to zachowywać w tajemnicy. It's done in private. Wy, za, z, zajmujemy się tym sami. Do you know what the intention is of the porn industry? It's to catch young boys and addict them. 13-year-olds. Their target audience are junior hires. We have families that divorces in the church life because of this. How can you stop this? How, how can you... Do we say, don't turn on your computer? You have to. Jak się temu sprzeciwić? Czy, powiedzi, czy mamy wam powiedzieć, nie włączajcie komputera? Musicie włączać komputer. I to, co mówię, nie dotyczy tylko braci, także sióstr. To się staje czymś tak powszechnym. Żyjemy w atmosferze, która jest wypełniona muchami. What about the social network pages? The same thing. Brother Dan mentioned this morning. A family in the church life. How much moral pollution is taking place where the young people live all the time? Facebook, right there. One of the brothers serving together with us is a doctor. He told us, he told us when he sees his patients, so many of the patients are coming with disorders because of the social networking. Anorexia. The pornography. Depression, broken homes, messed up families, depression. Young people, let me ask you something. Who do you want to marry? Sisters? Do you want to marry a, a, a brother who is addicted to pornography? Do you want to share that with your husband? Brothers, what kind of a wife do you want to have? Really? Come on, let's talk about it. What kind of a wife do you want? Do you want one that has told everything to everybody on the internet and it's never gone? It's always there? Your life history? Your boyfriends? You want to go there and, and look at all her past boyfriends and see what he, what he looks like? And you wonder if he, she still likes him? Try to keep up, sorry. 
I think they understand, right? Sisters, what kind of a husband do you want? Will you find him in the world? Really, really. Will you find him there? Now, will you find him in the church? Brothers, what kind of men do you want to be? You're going to become flies like the rest of the world? Do you like life in this world? Do you want to have a marriage that's remotely normal? Where you can love your husband, love your wife for decades and live together, raise your children, enjoy your grandchildren? You love this one this year, you love that one next year, you love this one the next and after that, you love everybody. Young people, make a decision. Tell me, make a decision. What do you want? Do you like life in this world? Do you like this? Your future husband is already with somebody else? For the last few years, every time I come to Poland, my being is on fire. Because I know that the Lord's ultimate move is here. And when I look out here, I see a dispensational instrument. I see the very ones that the Lord is raising up to end the age. I told the serving ones this morning. In 1971, the Lord began His move in Europe. Some churches were raised up. I visited them. I was here. I traveled in Germany and France and Switzerland. But in 1987, a rebellion rose up. And all the leading co-workers and leading brothers led the, all of the saints out. And it was wiped out. What the Lord had started was now gone. It seemed only a handful of scattered seeking ones were left. Then, then the Lord came back. And he began again. In London. And now in so many places. The, the Lord's recovery is, is growing and multiplying. This weekend we have a new church in Oslo, Norway. Do you think Satan is going to just give up? 
Czy myślicie, że Satan to tak pozwoli, żeby to tak było? Do you think he's going to sit by and watch Europe being taken by his by the Lord's recovery? Usiądzie sobie i będzie przypatrywał się temu, jak pańskie odzyskiwanie zdobywa Europę? I hope you are ready for a fight because this is going to be a tough one. But it might be. It might be he doesn't need to do much. The moral atmosphere may ruin an entire generation. A little here, a little there. And then all of a sudden there's, there's hardly anything left. Last night, we brothers were together. We were praying. We were fellowshipping these things. We were fellowshipping. What's going to happen? We hear about cases of fornication in this place, and this place, and, and young people among us that have, they bargained. They, they found some way to make it okay. And maybe they can keep it a secret from most of the saints, but the young people, all they all know, they know this. And they come to the meetings. And it seems, what's the big deal? Everybody's doing it. What's, what's the problem? Do you think the Lord could step on that stepping stone for his move? Satan is laughing. He's laughing. What a joke. What a joke. Find a way to make it work. The concept. The rationalization. Próbujemy to sobie wszystko, próbujemy wszystko zrozumieć. But the darkness Ale is thick. Jest, it can be felt. Jest tak gęsta, że aż można ją czuć. Well, I, I'm jumping ahead to the ninth plague. I better move forward. But I am so concerned about the moral atmosphere in Europe. Pray desperately for all of you young people that you would set your heart you would make a firm decision before God I am for the Lord I'm not going to get close to that I'm not going to do that I am for the Lord I'm not for Egypt. I'm not going to become one of the flies. But our cry is, Lord, get us out of here. Deliver us from this. Well, you know, after the flies, that's when Pharaoh said, okay, you can go. <clears throat> Actually, you know what? You know what the, the Bible says that I think it was Darby or somebody translated these flies as 
blood-sucking gadflies. That's nasty. Or dog flies. These are big old nasty flies. But they'll suck your blood. Okay, let's keep going. Before I, I've already run out of time. Okay, let's keep going. Point B, uh, point E. Let's read that together. The plague of a grievous pestilence that came upon all the Egyptian cattle portrays that the means of transportation and the way of eating in the world are judged by God and that his righteous judgment deals the implications of a sinful situation. You know, the flies brought in pestilence. The flies brought in the germs. The germs produced diseases that killed the cattle. But you know what? Something is happening. Before the flies came, God put a redemption between his people and the Egyptians. That's just how it says it. God put a redemption. He separated his people from the Egyptians. That, that means he put all of his people under his redemption. But the Egyptians rejecting God did not have the protection of God's redemption. So now the plagues are just coming to the Egyptians and not to the Israelites. All the cattle of the Egyptians died. And then you go to the Israelites and all their cattle are fine. Brother Lee brings out something very interesting here. He said, those Egyptian cows didn't do anything wrong. Why did God judge those cows? I mean, they... They couldn't help it that they were owned by an Egyptian. That's why this point, this point uses this word implication. Because they're connected. Those cows were connected to people. Egypt was a sinful situation. And because these cows were related to a sinful situation, they came under that judgment. Ponieważ podlegały czy były w sferze tej tej niegodziwości, 
ostatecznie spotkał je sąd. Young people, Młodzieży, are you related to a sinful situation? Czy jesteście związani z jakąś grzeszną sytuacją? You may be, you know, a believer. Możecie być wierzący, wierzącą osobą. But you have intimate relationship with unbelievers. Ale możesz mieć osobisty And you're with him. And because you're with him, you may be dealt with according to them. There is this, there's this risk. We contact them for the sake of the gospel. Kontaktujemy się z nimi ze względu na ogłoszenie im Ewangelii. But to contact these kind of friends, to hang out with them, will bring us right into their judgment. Ale pozostawanie z nimi, e, oddawanie się temu, co oni, spowoduje, że spadnie na nas sąd. Point F. Punkt F. Let's read this one together. Let's all read and let's be strong in our reading, okay? F. The plague of the ashes becoming fine dust. That something remaining of our fallen human life must be dealt with by God. This is still something in the air. This is what God told Moses to do. He said, take some ashes and throw it in the air. Then the ashes they blew into Egypt. And it fell on the Egyptians. And it became boils. Boils on their being. Not just acne. These are boils. From the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. You know what this is? You know what this implies? You know what ashes are? After something has been dealt with to the uttermost, it's ashes. And it seems like ashes should be pure because everything is burned out. But these ashes became boils. The way Brother Lee applied this is that our sinful life needs to be dealt with to the uttermost. But afterwards, we should never talk about it. A potem nie mamy już o tym w ogóle wspominać. Because it becomes ashes. Ponieważ And everyone who hears it may become sick because of your testimony. Some of the brothers may have been very uh, talented athletes. Maybe playing professional sports. But then the Lord dealt with that. Then they talk about it. It becomes boils on people. You know, in Christianity today, they put 
people up to glorify them because they were on drugs and now they're for the Lord or they used to do this and now they love the Lord. And they go from this place and that place and they share their testimony and it causes the, the people to wish they had that kind of a dynamic salvation. Actually what they're doing is they're spreading boils to everybody. You know, you, you live a certain kind of sinful life and you broadcast this on Facebook. Maybe you would even repent. But all those images are still there. And they say, oh, do you know who uh, so-and-so liked back in the day? Did you know that they were going out? Becomes boils, becomes boils. Do you like life in the world? You ready to go? Would you like to get out of here? Now, you know what? We're the Israelites. We're watching all this happen to the Egyptians. It's not happening to the Israelites because of the Lord's redemption. Then, uh, plague seven, G. Let's read G. The plague of hail mingled with fire, damaging the produce of the earth, portrays that if we are stubborn or rebellious, our relationship with God is destroyed, and he alters the spiritual function of the rain. You know, these last three, this third, this third group has to do with destroying now the environment. You know, today everybody loves to take care of the environment. We want to... God was the first one to touch the environment. To make it not pleasant. Do you know that, that the world even affects the environment? God altered the natural use of the sun and rain to plague Egypt. God altered the natural use of the sun and rain to judge Egypt. Rain is for to quench our thirst and to feed our crops. But Pharaoh became stubborn. And so God changed the pleasant rain to be hail with fire. You know, saints, 
tonight, even as I was praying and considering this, I thought, oh, I pray that none of the young people would be stubborn. You know, our heart means so much in our experiences of Christ. If we're stubborn, the Lord supplying river of water of life becomes, becomes hail and fire to us. This is why it says, if we are stubborn or rebellious, our relationship with God is destroyed. Then uh, plague eight, H. The, pla the plague of the wind bringing in locusts portrays that Satan eats up the supply of man's life and of everything related to man as he lives in the world under God's condemnation. And then, of course, <laughs> the hail comes and destroys all the crops. Then the locusts come and they eat everything that's left. You know, at one point early on, I should have mentioned this. The magicians could no longer duplicate the plague. It was the lice. So the magicians, they told Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. Well, if that's the finger of God, can you imagine what the arm of God could do? They were trying to convince Pharaoh to let him go, let him go. Then after the locusts had eaten up everything, they said, come on, Egypt is completely destroyed, let him go. Pharaoh would not let him go. Then the Lord changed the function of the sun. Point I, the plague of thick darkness in all the land of Egypt portrays that the worldly life outside of God's presence is filled with terrible darkness. This darkness was so thick that it could be felt. It was a claustrophobic darkness. Maybe, just maybe, the Lord would take away the veils. The Lord would take away our veils. And we would see that the world that we live in is just like that. Everything about it is dark. Everything kills our life. We can't move. You can't go anywhere. You can't go on the freeway. You see the signs. You can't ride the train. You see the advertisements. 
Aha, rozumiem. Je, okay. Jeździe, jedziemy po autostradzie, po drodze, po prostu nie, 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 nie możemy już patrzeć na ten... You can't read the paper. You can't turn on the television. You can't turn on your computer. Even you put on your iPod. And it kills you. Everything kills you. Everything is dark. Everything is dark. It's thick dark. Do you know... I mentioned this the other day. In Revelation 16, six of these plagues come back. At the end of the Great Tribulation, for all of those Christians that still like to live in the world, the plagues come back. Six, six of them. This darkness comes. And it says that people were gnawing on their tongues in pain. Okay, I can't imagine darkness like that. But we need to see the age that we live in is just like this. And then J, the plague of God's judgment upon all the firstborn in Egypt portrays that everything related to Adam, the first man, as the firstborn, is condemned by God. Plaga Bożego Sądu dokonanego nad wszystkimi pierworodnymi w Egipcie mówi o tym, że Bóg potępia wszystko, co wiąże się z Adamem, pierwszym człowiekiem, pierworodnym. All the firstborn died. Wszyscy pierworodni umierali. Slaves, every Egyptian. It says there was not a house in Egypt where there was not someone who died. The first plague of blood was death. The last plague of the first, firstborn being killed is also death. The plagues go from death to death. Let's read Romans 6 all together. It is only by receiving a revelation of the nature, significance, and result of life in the world and of God's attitude towards such a life that we can truly become detached from the world and hate the worldly life. What should we do? Okay, how about this? Let's pray. Pray with our neighbor for about a minute. And then we'll see. It's quite late already, so I, I think they might open it up for some sharing. Sorry for going over my time. But anyway, pray with your neighbor that the Lord would show us such a revelation. Żeby Pan dał nam takie objawienie.